coming. And we all want to be ready. King is coming. Are you ready for him? Ready or not? 
He's coming. And it's up to us for us to get ready. It is the devil's aim to ensure that we're not ready for the king's appearance. Good night, everyone. It's good to see everyone here tonight. I pray that you had a, a busy week. You got some rest. The heat was hot. It's not hot yet. <laughs> it was amazing. I, I, I had to get out. I had to get out of the city yesterday. I needed to get out. I like driving, so it relaxes me. And um, got on the highway, and I went to visit a preacher of mine. He's in San Bernardino next to La Sierra University. And I um, drove three hours through the desert. I was like, this is amazing. This is cool. The windows were down. The temperature's about 74 degrees. I'm like, this is great. I mean, this is relaxing. I'm jamming to gospel music. And somewhere between the desert and the green mountains, I'm not sure where it took place, but I noticed that the, the, the thermometer on my dashboard said 90 degrees. And I said, where did that come from? I got out of the car and I, when I got to San Bernardino, I looked out and the, the gum was melting on the floor. I'm like, your pastor asked me if I could handle this heat. I said, I don't know, preacher. I like the cold. I'm from the cold. I like the cold because I can dress up for the cold. You can't do nothing but the heat. When it's hot, it's just hot. But God is able to supply all our needs. I am delighted to be here tonight. It's been a wonderful vacation this week. Um, working for the Lord. And... Um, at first, I thought my voice would leave me, but it's, it's coming back. So I'm grateful for that. For those of you who've been praying, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Your prayers are being heard. Thank you. Thank you. Where is my... Yes, my friend. For those of you who don't know, this is Maya. She's been coming to me with questions every night that her peers have been sending her. So now she has a few questions, and I'll do the best of my ability to answer them. I pray every time she starts talking, because I have no idea what the questions are. I don't. Go for it. Um, the Bible states that you must be married before having sex. Can the male and female decide, that, decide in their mind that they are emotionally and spiritually married, or do they have to be physically, <laughs> physically married? <laughs> can you skip that one no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding i'm just kidding i'm just kidding but you know i think the question answered itself because what's the first part of the question say the bible says so if the bible says you can't go contrary to the bible you actually answered your own question thank you for making that one easy for me but truth of the matter is you 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 there are some things you some steps you should probably engage in before you even get married um some counseling sessions you need to get to understanding who your mate's going to be um not only when they're in the good days but also being able to focus on the weaknesses of each other we don't want to talk about that we like about the good stuff because when you're in dating all you do is you push all the good stuff you got ladies you're always looking good you're always looking tight and always looking right the guys are always the gentleman and nice and, and and smooth and then after that you know it begins to fade away after a while get to the real stuff first if they can't like you when you're ugly they can't appreciate you if they can't like you when your hair is not done it's in curlers or it's you just came or whatever it is listen they got to handle you just the way you are because there's only one you. If they can't appreciate you just for who you are, without the makeup, without the lipstick, without the nails, without everything else, take the hairpiece off. Come listen, I'm hip. I'm hip on this thing. If they can't appreciate you for who you are, there's going to be conflict. Next question. I don't have any more. You have no more. Amen. Well, I want to thank, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank Maya for being a wonderful host. Don't leave yet. Don't leave yet. I got one more task for you. I want to thank her for, for being a wonderful host. She has been um, willing all week to come out. She hasn't missed one night. Uh, amen. 
you know, and um, I'm grateful for that. I am truly grateful. I'm one who believes in appreciation. Um, they say, you know, hard work, don't, let me second say this properly. Hard work never kills anyone. It's a lack of appreciation. And many times we take it for granted of being courteous. Church should be the most smiling, most courteous, most mannerable place ever. Thank you. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good night. Right here. It should inform what's happening at the home. So, to show you my appreciation, I got you a little gift. Now, you got to forgive me. I don't like wrapping gifts. I think it's a waste of time. I think just getting straight to the chase and just give you the gift. So, I, 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 I thought about this all week. I think from like Monday, I thought about it. And um, I got you a gift card from the App Store. $25. Thank you. Okay. And let's get to the word of the Lord. Please stand to your feet. We're going to go to the book of Acts. Don't leave yet. You got to read. The book of Acts, chapter 3. I'm going to read from verses 1 to 11. The book of Acts, chapter 3. Yeah, let's get Are we there, saints? Not yet. I still hear paper turning. Back in the day, we used to play a game called Sword in Hand. I mean, you had to find your text like this. Whew. Pull out your phones if you got a phone. There should be a Bible app on your phone. Amen? You shaking your head, but you ain't getting your phone. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. Let's get to the word of the Lord. Up, oh, Mike is dead. Okay. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother room, mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I have none, but such as I have given thee, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaped leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple walking and leaping and praising God and all the people saw him walking and praising God and they knew that it was he who had sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him and as a lame man which was healed was healed held Peter and John and the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's great wondering. Amen. If you remember, get to the screen, please, for our creed this evening. All right, folks, if you re please read with me. I am a child of God in his image. This makes me one of a kind, unique, and special. I am destined to live my life with purpose and passion. I will choose to take responsibility for my actions. When faced with adversity, I must not give up. When I can't find a way, my faith in God will make. Amen. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to come right now before you. Humbly we bow our hearts in contrition. We've asked you for forgiveness. You have forgiven us. We ask you now, dear God, to open our hearts and our minds. May your Holy Spirit dwell within our lives this evening. Father, I pray that you please hide, behind, hide me behind your cross. And let Jesus and only Jesus be seen and heard. We thank you in the wonderful name of your holiness, I pray. Amen. Be seated, please. This evening, I want to touch on a subject for a few moments. 
case of you who may get tired tonight, we have a no sleeping policy in church. You're not allowed to sleep. So if someone's sleeping next to you, gently just touch their hand and say, welcome. No, you can't lick them. You can't hit them. You can't hit them. This is church. This ain't home. But you gently touch them on their hand and say, welcome back to the service. <laughs> is that okay? All right. Should I help you point them out? <laughs> this evening's subject title I want to talk about at church but not in church at church but not in church it has been my discovery that there are times that many of us intend to go to church but we never get there how can this be Allow me to illustrate this point to you. Any husbands here tonight? All right. So, for the husbands who go shopping with their wives, and you have to endure and exercise the gift of long-suffering as you go from store to store, go back to the first store you first started from, just so she can compare prices. Many times, while you're there, truth of the matter is, you've done left the building. Right? It's the same as when we come to church. We find our minds drifting and surfing like a TV remote control. Checking to see what's more interesting. What else should I be watching that's more fun? What's more intriguing? Can we bring some mids on this down, please? The mids. You probably put them at 12 o'clock if you mean. On these, on this mic. As a result, many churches have responded by trying to feed famished parishioners with more. More special days, more speakers, more events, more programs, more trips, more concerts, more, more, more. The church has now become a place where people come to see if there are any specials as if it was the mall on Black Friday. Catch that, catch that. Why are our young people more on time for a movie with an offering than to attend a worship service? Why are our children having great difficulty just to sit in church and engage but can't sit down for, can sit down for hours playing video games and watching TV? We have a problem, saints. The dilemma continues to pervade deep within our congregation. In this world of capitalism, socialism, Marxism, materialism, sexism, racism, urbanism, terrorism, verbalism, commercialism, egotism, and even godlessism, we find ourselves in a dire situation. All right. Um, the highs. Let's put the highs. Orange one. One, two. Ooh, hallelujah. Thank you. How then are Christians to navigate through this maze of confusion? It appears at times we have lost our sense of direction. Our sense of purpose. Our scripture lesson takes us to the book of Acts where we come upon the miracles and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Here, we begin to see the early days of the Christian church being laid down precept by precept. This was a church without walls, saints. It was growing in leaps and bounds beyond human comprehension. When church service commenced, there was no official praising because everybody was a praiser. No streaming of services, but everybody heard about the service. No Facebook, but there was great fellowship. Furthermore, there was no theatrics or showmanship in preaching. All the disciples did was preach as the Spirit commanded. Can you imagine how exciting it must have been? At every revival, hundreds upon hundreds would join the church. It is behind this backdrop we find ourselves with this unique story. This story where certainty met uncertainty. Humanity and divinity worked in tandem and a life was transformed. The story of this beggar is most intriguing because it depicts a life of insecurity 
dependence and restriction, yet in spite of it all, God was exalted and the beggar experienced a personal makeover. The Bible tells us from birth, this man was lame. It was customary that they took him to the temple gate and placed him outside the gate called beautiful to beg. Why the gate? I wondered why. Bible tells us various different snapshots of what happens at the gate. But most importantly, we find this lame man cradled in his daily posture, begging at the mercy of others. To consider this situation a little deeper, it was Jewish custom that beggars were not to be looked down upon. Now catch this, because this is going to be rough for you. It was considered that they were not to be looked down upon, but it was a good thing to give them alms to fulfill the law of Moses. On the other hand, because he was lame, he was not worthy to enter into the sanctuary. This bothered me a bit. Because how can religious leaders be so bipolar? I will give you some money, but I can't pray for you. I can throw a few coins at you, but I can't worship with you. I can smile at you, but I won't fellowship with you. I can give you some food. But I won't eat with you. We can go on a church trip together. But I won't sit next to you. I'm so happy that in this post-New Testament era, we as Christians do not subscribe to such anti-Christ-like behavior. Or do we? I mean, do we still give the fake happy Sabbath smile from week to week? What about the person who comes over to your home in the name of fellowship only to see what you have and to covet and conspire against you? Or the ones who hold your hand during intercessory prayer but stabbing you in the back with gossip knives? Allow me to make this parenthetical point here. There is a unique difference between one who has a relationship and one who has a religion. Many believe if you have religion, then you have relationship. Nothing can be further from the truth. Remember, systems dictate behavior. Let me hear you say that. Systems. In other words, the system you operate in will determine how you behave. The funny thing is the lame man had become content sitting outside and the religious content on the inside. Both were convinced that they were in church. Looking at this scenario, this creates a unique juxtaposition because here we have two groups of people going to church but never reaching their intended destination. Let me make this plain for you. The lame man was placed daily at the doorpost of the church but never experienced church. Those who made it past the doorpost arrived to church, but in reality, they were not in church because they couldn't be their brother's keeper. The lame man was carried to the doors of the church. The religious people walked on their way to the church. The lame man collected an offering. The religious gave an offering. Both operating at two different spectrums. Do you know, we can be at church and be not in church is because in our minds we have separated ourselves from who we are to be. The church isn't some place we go to. It's not something we do. It's who we are. I am the church. You are the church. When you step out these doors, you represent God's church. Far too long. We have disassociated ourselves from being the church as if it has nothing to do with us. Living double lives, we come dressed up on Sabbath morning. But by Saturday night and Sunday, we're in a different gear, a different behavior. If we are the church, then it is clear that we should be in, engaged in church. As a matter of fact, the church isn't a worship service. It's people engaged in worship to their God. Let me say that. Because sometimes we think worship is about riling it up, feeding the fire and getting it moving and working. No. When you think, when you stop for one moment, I'm going to worship 
God. You get in your car, you start dressing from that morning. I'm going to worship God. You walk into church. Good morning, happy Sabbath, same to you. I'm going to worship God. When you come focused, your behavior is different because you've been prepared your mind that what you're doing, you're going to worship There's no such thing as a dead worship service. In reality, it's ungrateful people not willing to give God praise. We don't just come to pray. We are in prayer. We don't just sing a song as if it's a recital. We become the song. We don't just read God's word. We place ourselves in the word it makes a difference when you place yourself in the word because when life's vicissitudes come knocking on your door it's because you have been in worship you have been in song you have been in prayer and in service you will be able to stand can you imagine living a life and not being able to stand through it of course you do some of you are living it right now and it doesn't always have to be that way God requires that we have faith, yet God is able to work with us from sight to faith. At church, folks may cuss you out. But in church, saints turn the other cheek and hold their peace until the appropriate time. Let me explain that. Because sometimes we think turn the other cheek and take it. And turn the other cheek and take it. I had a story once of a guy who got greeted with a fist to one side of his cheek and he didn't do anything. The guy hit him again and then he turned the other cheek and he got hit him. The next time around, he was hitting the guy. And he said, what happened? He said, man, I, I gave him two cheeks and he wasn't stopping, so I had to <laughs> return the favor. There are times you will come to church and people will say things to annoy you, to turn you off, to shift your focus from coming to worship God. But again, listen, if you're focusing to worship God, anticipate and expect that they will do so. The devil uses people around you to push you off course. He will use your husband, your wife, your children, the ushers, church members, and they will say something just to set you off like that because he knows which buttons he needs to press. And if he can press a few buttons, when you come to church, you can no longer focus because you're in church still mad and upset what they said. Who she thinks she is? At church, folks stress about problems. In church, saints bring it to the altar. When asked to do something for the Lord at church, folks say, let me pray about it. Mercy. In church, saints, however, God can use me anyhow. All that I have is because of him. Lord, I'm available to you. We have been given a charge, and it's high time we embody the great commission of Christ when he said to go out into the world teaching, preaching, and baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have come to the place of understanding that somehow this mandate does not pertain to some of us. That's for the church board, the Bible workers, and other folks and the pastor to do. No, beloved. It's for me and you to do. So now I've cleared this up now. It's the church isn't the building. This isn't those wonderful edifice, Yes. With all this technology and lighting and AC, amen. No, you, you, and you make up the church. It's us. We bring life to this situation. It's because of us. Other people walking through the doors can say, Lord, I yield my life to you. Because if you can do this for this person and that person and that person, I must have some hope. And that's how we build our faith. The first thing the disciples did as they came to the beggar, 
They taught him to look up. Why? You see, as the church, there are times life will knock us down. We find the, la the lame man from birth having been dealt a bad card. I can't imagine how he, how he must have felt because of his age and time of the miracle. He would have heard about Jesus. Probably he even saw Jesus but never had an opportunity to be healed. It seemed his payday would never come. Day after day, he sat there begging and begging. But this day was different. As Peter and John approached him, they fastened their eyes upon him and said, look up. So I've come to tell the saints today, when you're in church and you've been banged up, hammered down, beaten, and you find yourself in a lame man position, the first thing you got to do is what? Look up. Why? Because when you look up, hope becomes probable. When you look up, your faith becomes plausible. When you look up, your problems become reversible. When you look up, the word of God becomes believable. When you look up, the impossible becomes conceivable. When you look up, the son of God becomes visible. When you look up, your crucible becomes reusable. The psalmist declares, I will look to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from God. When you look up, God will look down from heaven and pick you up. So the next time you find yourself in this lame man position, flat out on your face, look up because your redemption is on the way. Number two, the disciples said to him, get up. Why? You see, your getting up is conditional to you looking up. If you never look up, you can never get up. Because as long as you keep your eyes here, that's all you're going to see and that's all you will work towards. It's not to mention when we're down, some folks just want us to stay down. It's a phenomenon in church sometimes. No one likes to be down. But the moment someone falls down, we can be so quick to judge. What gets me is many of us act as if we have never fallen and found ourselves flat on our face. So I got to say this for just the one or two people who are here who may consider themselves the righteous elite. The Bible declares that uh, in Mark 2.17, Jesus said, I, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick I have not come to call the righteous, but what? Sometimes you as a church want only righteous people to come in. So, to my sin, sick, backbiting, gossip spreading, fornicating, gambling, stealing, lying, cheating, cold-hearted believers. I have good news for you. When you've been down, look up. And after you look up, then get up. Some of you have been laying down in your mess far way too long. And it's time for you to get up. You see, when you're down in your transgression, which has become a depression that evolved into aggression, which left you with no expression, you lost your obsession for Christ. Did you follow that? <laughs> Do I need to say it again? The preacher wants it again. When you're down in your transgression, which has become a depression, sin will put you in depression, especially unconfessed sin. That evolves into aggression. Depression going down is anger turning inward. You become angry for no reason, resentment and bitterness, which left you with no expression, you lost your obsession for Christ. When you have resentment and bitterness, you cannot come to church and worship. It's hard for you to give a praise because you're still mad. But if there is confession, the Spirit of God makes intercession. Your life will become a progression leading you into God's possession where you, the church, can experience the greatest satisfaction. 
When that lame man got up, his fears turned to seeds of faith. And his life was never the same. You can experience that same transformation. But you got to get up. Look up. Get up. Last one. You got to walk up. Can you imagine what it must have been like for this once upon a time lame man who never walked a day in his life to get up and start walking without any physical therapy sessions or rehab? Can you imagine that? The Bible tells us in Acts 3, 6, that Peter said unto him, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I'm going to give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood, walked, and this is what I love, and entered with them into the temple. How did he enter in? Walking and leaping and you can't tell me when God has been good to you and he's done something for you. You walking here like it's a funeral procession. No, sir. We have become so concerned about what other people will think about my relationship with God. Stop. It's about you and him. That's it. What do you think? If every time we come to church, it's a funeral procession, how do you possibly expect our young people to have and develop any faith if they're modeling what we're doing? How do we possibly expect them to be engaged when we ourselves are disengaged? Some of you who know what it means to not have, can't have, never had, and surely won't have. When you've almost thrown in the towel, almost given up on God, made your last deals with God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever made deals with God? You prayed to God so hard that your mess won't come out. You prayed to God so hard that that pregnancy was a negative and not a positive. You prayed to hard, so hard that you didn't gamble your tithe away. You prayed so hard that the church didn't find out or that your friends didn't find out or your spouse didn't find out or your children didn't find out. You prayed, Lord, please keep my mess together. I know there have been times in my life when I've prayed. And I've looked at the hills and said, God, if you're real, please, pretty, pretty, please. Pretty please. I can't get past this on my own. I need you, Jesus. I need you. I need you to take me through. And guess what? I stand here not because I had the greatest faith. I stand here because Jesus came and delivered. I stand here because Jesus' faith carried me through when I had zero faith. His faithfulness overshadowed my life, and it can do the same for you. I've learned to trust God for what he thought was best for me and not what I thought I needed. i got to repeat that one. I have learned to trust in God for what he thought was best for me and not what I thought I needed. Many times we come to God and we say, Lord, I need for you to operate in this spectrum, in this lane, this way. And God is like, who are you to tell me what to do? I said hi and you look down there and I can see all the other options around here that I can do. As a matter of fact, you go on ahead and make a mess. And we start making a mess. And Lord, I've been praying. Where are you? But you know what? He said, you've been asking a mess because you've been asking me the wrong reasons, the wrong motives. Are you ready for me to handle your life now? He asks over and over. And every time we go through troubles and trials and tribulations, he's like, listen, I, I, can, I can take you through this. Let me walk with you. Let me go with you. Let me carry you through. But you know, us folk, we, we, we almost stubborn. It's time we stop putting 
God in a box like he's a genie and rubbing it when we need some good favors from him. The lame, he asked for alms and he received healing. He asked for a contribution and he received a resolution to his life. Here is a defining moment of this account. Upon re receiving his new upward mobility, I can hear him saying one thing. <laughs> Have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. For all these years, he sat outside the church. And finally, he was able to come in and worship. That's a life transformation. There's some of us who are here, and we're still not here. The first place he went to was the temple. Not to his family or friends, but the temple to worship. Praising God. All his life, he never thought he'd ever belong to anything. Thought he could never be a child of God. Probably thought he was a curse, a reject, a freak of accident. But I've come to let somebody know about a God-man called Jesus. When you've had a lame man experience and God has picked you back up, how dare you and I walk in here without a praise on our lips? It is not probable. The songwriter Clay Evans wrote, As I look back over my life and I think things over I can truly say that I have been blessed I've got a what testimony sometimes I couldn't see my way through but the Lord he brought me out right now I'm free I've got the victory I've got a testimony you can't get a testimony without the test you got to go through the test so you can talk about the test in your testimony. The church starts with you. Not anyone else, but you. As I take my seat, I have one more thing to say. It takes one. How many did I say? O-N-E. One. To start making a movement and become the church. My question to you is this. Are you willing to be that one? Don't defer it to someone else. Don't expect it from someone else. Are you ready to be that one that God can count on? If you allow me to echo the words of a brother Haas, he said, God permitted one world, one life, one maker, one strife, one moon, one sun, one day, one night, one Adam, one Eve, one fruit, one tree, one serpent, one heel, one birth, one disease, one fall, one blame, one judge, one in change, one woman, one man, one purpose, one plan, abundant life. Will you be that O-N-E? I ain't done yet. He created one game, one sport, one name, one thought, one book, one God, one spirit, sun God, one Moses, one law, one sea, lost cause, one truth, one faith, one promise still remains, abundant life. Will you be that O-N-E? One choice, one test, one stayed, one left, one heaven, one hell, one prayer, one year, one time, one force, one Lord, one cross, one body, one breath, one grave, one death, one mission, one go, abundant life. Will you be the O-N-E? Listen up. One Sabbath, one day, one rest, no other way. One dream, one wish, five loaves, one fish, one fish, two. One delivered, one bound, one lost, one found. One blind, one see, one step of faith, one seed. One Peter, one John, one David, one Psalm. Abundant life, will you be the O-N-E? You're not convinced yet. One Paul, one James, one coin but no change. One song, one verse, one kiss, one curse, one me, one you. There's going to be a breakthrough. One gospel, one word, one believer, a cry is heard. One thought, one decision, one act, one baptism, one religion, one church, 
one Lord, one, her one earth, one habit, one sin. A lot of people may lose, but we can win. One healed, one freed. Philippians 4, 1 and 3. One family, one place, one color, one race, one return, one bride, one people with the faith of Christ. Abundant life will you be the O-N-E. The Bible declares in Revelation that who are the ones standing on the sea? And it says, here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. Two things. You got to obey all the commandments. Not nine out of ten. Not eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. All. And you have to have the faith of Jesus Christ. That means you have to believe in Jesus Christ. That means you have to give your life to him and be willing to serve him and be that one for him. There's a story told of a Norwegian seaman. He went out to sea with his sons and a great storm arose. And the father thought, man, this is it. <laughs> it's over. The sea is going to engulf me. Me and my boys are going to die. And so they struggled through the night. Struggling, struggling, struggling. Trying to make it through. They were so thick around them, they couldn't see past their nose. At the same time, his wife was home. And tended to make some supper in the evening. And amazingly, what ended up happening was the house caught a fire. And as the house caught a fire, she ran out for her dear life and watched helplessly as everything they had owned burned to the ground. Finally, the father and the sons emerged from the dark mist and made it to the shore. And the wife stood there crying, honey, we had a fire and we lost everything. And he said nothing, kept pulling the boat up on the seashore and hey do you not hear me we had a fire and we lost everything tears pouring on her face and he kept pulling and pulling and pulling when he finally reached and pulled it to the top as far as he can pull it he looked at his wife and said about 20 minutes ago i was sure we were dead i'll count my life gone i was prepared to meet the maker but in the distance, we saw a flame, a light. And as we saw the light, we began to get hope. And we began to fight towards the light. So we began to make our way to get to where the light was. She stood there speechless, not recognizing what he had just gone through. He said, listen, this was a wonderful, great fire. We lost our home. But God spared our lives. God may have to burn some things down in your life just to save you. Maybe he's doing that already. Maybe he's already done it. And you're finding yourself now coming up to a point where you can't even make a left or a right because you're so boxed in. I can tell you this. Give your life to Jesus. You won't go wrong. You, there's no refunds on this. You are guaranteed. But you've got to make that choice for him. You've got to be willing to make that choice for him. And as we get into our period of appeal now, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, please. I'll say yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and when the Spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree. Then my answer? Come on, let me hear you lift your voice and say, I'll say yes, Lord, I'll say. Come on, recommit to your will. 
somebody here tonight who came here whether you were invited first second third fourth or fifth time and you're saying Lord I, I need to make it right with you I'm not asking what your issues are I'm asking that you recognize you to make make it right with him if there's anyone who's here just come on down and take my hand if you're here just walking down and take my hand Be that one for Jesus. He became the one for you and died for our sins on the cross. Will there be one for him tonight? Father God, in the name of Jesus right now, I pray that anyone who is lacking courage to stand for you, I pray you give him a double portion to step forth for you. Will there be one? A while ago you answered, yes, you'll be the O-N-E. Now it's time to put some action to those words. Come forward. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. You're not alone. Is there one for Jesus today? Is there one? I feel the spirit is heavy in here. Folks are struggling and thinking about it. Whoever's here, your prayer warrior, start praying. Because some folks are struggling right now. I'm asking for one. God bless you. God bless you, my brother. God bless you. One. Who will be the next one? Who will be the next one? Who will be the next one? You're thinking, oh man, listen, I can't come to God right now. My life ain't straight. I'm living in sin, I'm doing things, I'm saying things, I'm, I'm going places I'm not supposed to be going. God don't, he wants you to come just the way you are. He'll take care of that stuff. And don't worry about the church members because they got their own issues to deal with. But you can only focus about you and yourself. So whoever you may be, wherever you may be, you need to walk on down. I'm not going to ask anybody to pull your hand down for you because it has to be your decision. You've got to be willing to walk for Jesus. Will there be one? God bless you, my brother. God bless you. Will there be another? One. Come on, one more. Wherever you may be. I'm going to keep appealing. Because God is trying to save us. At the end of this service, when you've left here, it may become more difficult. God bless you, my brother. It may become more difficult for you to make that decision for him. Your heart is saying, yes, you're in conflict right now. The Spirit is speaking to you. Don't fight the Spirit. Don't try to explain it. Don't try to work it through. Just follow it. One more. At the end of this campaign, we're going to have a baptism. And some of you need to be baptized. Some of you need to be rebaptized. Recommit your lives to God. We don't need to know what it is. You need to know that you've been made right with God. Because that's what matters. At the end of the day, it's you and God. Will there be one more? I'm going to ask Pastor Banner to come and pray for us, but one more. Will there be one more? One more. One more, one more minute. Don't let this night pass and you didn't give your life to Christ. God bless you, my brother. 
Don't let this night pass and you didn't give your life to Christ afresh. Don't let this night pass. God bless you. Don't let this night pass. Because you're going to go home and regret and you wish that you did. And the guilt will ride you and the devil will say to you, you see, you're such a big hypocrite. I told you, you weren't God stuff. But guess what? They sang a song this week. In case you've been broken, the potter wants to put you back together again. And again. And again. And again. He can fix it, whatever it is. Come on, Pastor Banner. One more prayer. One more as he comes to pray for us. One more. Will there be one more for him? Will there be one more for the maker? Will there be one more life transformed like that lame man? One more. One more. I'm going to ask. He's got it. He's got it. He's got it. One more. I've got to ask. Can we come together, please? Jeremy, can we come together? Where are the prayer warriors? I need some prayer warriors to come to the front, please. Elders, if you're here, elders, please come to the front. Deacons, we're going to surround these people here who are saying, Lord, I'm giving my life to you. I'm tired of certain Satan. I'm tired of living in between two lives. I want to follow you all the way, Jesus. All the way, all the way, all the way. Come on, touch and agree. Let's not be separated. Touch and agree. No one should be left out. No one should be not touching. And in the congregation, touch somebody next to you. Hold somebody's hand. Please. Our God and our Father, we've had a wonderful week. The week before was wonderful. Many have come out night after night, but tonight is a very special night. Tonight we have said, yes, we will be the O-N-E. Lord, while we live on this earth, we are all waiting for Jesus to come. But some of us are watching and looking forward to it, and others are just wandering. I pray tonight, from the message that we've heard, from your spirit that is moving in this place right now, that each and every one of us makes the decision to lift our eyes up to see the soon coming of our Jesus Christ. And as it was stated, when we lift our eyes up, then we stand up and get up. And we live aright for Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for your manservant that has been with us thus far this week. Your spirit has worked through him in a mighty way. And we ask a very special blessing upon those individuals that have come down. Some for prayer, some for baptism. Lord, we know the end is near. And I pray that we all decide to do whatever it takes to be found ready when Jesus comes. Strengthen us now, Lord, in all that we do. Bless the pastor of this congregation. Bless those in the congregation that they may realize, as was stated, we are the church, not the building. So don't let the devil steal our joy. But let us truly make our calling and election sure. Let us make Jesus famous in our lives. 
And then, Father, when it's all said and done, you get all the praise. You get all the honor. And you get all the glory. In the wonderful name of Jesus, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen, everyone. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand. Yes. Amen. Amen and amen. You know, we, we, we can be excited in God's church, right? Uh, when your favorite team sinks that last minute shot and you win the game, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure you're, you're screaming last Thursday we were at a game at uh, watching our school play. And uh, one of our star players, I think it was Kobe, came up and just sank a three-pointer. Bam! And we were like, everyone was, yeah! <laughs> we need to be excited. Because the place where we're going is an exciting place. And I would just want to praise God for what he has done. He is a wonderful, wonderful God. Now, we don't want to keep you too much longer, 